Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's David Locke. Thanks for subscribing, listening, downloading, streaming, whatever you're doing to Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, Chuck Cooperstein, the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, will join me. He's one of my really good friends in the business. He's a great basketball mind, super play-by-play announcer. And we will talk Western Conference big stories interlined in the midst of that will be all sorts of over-under conversation about every team as well. Huge Month coming up. Here's the plan. Ben Golliver, Sports Illustrated, joins me next week to talk about the SI Top 100. The next week, September 25th, will be our Eastern Conference over-under. Same show as this, but just Eastern Conference. And then in October, when training camps are open, we will be doing the Locked On Podcast Network preview shows. So that's kind of awesome. Uh, and those are really fun. Every single one of the hosts jumps in. And then Kevin Pelton will make his first stop of the season October 16th. So big, big, big stuff coming between now and the beginning of the season. We are ready to roll for the NBA. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On NBA, subscribing on iTunes, leaving a review, and doing all of that. Let's get on with the show. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Chuck, let's start off with the team who just, with all the moves in the West, what's the team you think is most improved this season? Uh, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's the most improved. Uh, you know, just adding Butler to that mix, uh, you know, they need, uh, and, and all you know, emerging teams do need you know, a, a player who has been there, a player who has succeeded. Uh, and uh, so I, I think that Minnesota uh, w- will be the most improved. Now, you know, are they as good as everybody thinks that they're going to be, you know, given, uh, you know, a, a talent like Towns and, you know, what Wiggins is capable of? I'm not sure of that. I mean, I think there are issues that they definitely have to work through because I think all, all those guys need the ball in order for them to be most effective, and there's only one ball. And, uh, you know, even with, uh, with Jeff T coming in and running the point, uh, you know, it's not like Rubio, who is more than willing to give it up. You know, Teague wants to get some shots up himself, too. So uh, they've got some issues that they've got to work through. But I, I think the talent is such that, um, that they're going to make the biggest jump. And, you know, it's about time that they actually do. <laughs> it's pretty clear that that Rubio-Thibodeau relationship must have just not worked. Because to your point, I, I don't find Teague the right mix for, one, a team that doesn't have great spacing, and two, a team that has a lot of guys that are already using possessions, as you talked about. I, I found that move very interesting. Um, I... I will see. I get to watch Rubio up close this year, so we'll see what what impact that you know what he's really like. But uh, I, I thought that was an interesting move because I'm with you. I like most of their pieces, and maybe even all their pieces. I'm just not sure how they all gel. Right, and and the thing about Tibbs, and it's been pretty obvious from his time at Chicago. You know, once he gets a feeling about you, then that's it, and you're not changing his mind. 
Uh, and to me, it's kind of interesting how, how it relates back to Rubio because, you know, the, the issue with Rubio has always been a shot. You know, can, can he make shots? And, you know, it looked like in the second half of last year that he had actually, you know, all, all the, the work that he had done on his shot, uh, you know, seemed to be paying off because he, he was really doing some major damage there. Uh, but clearly, uh, you know, he, he was not completely enamored of him. Jeff Teague is certainly not going to be the defender Ricky Rubio is. And while Jimmy Butler is definitely an upgrade on the wing, uh, you know, from Zach Levine or from anybody else that they were going to run out there, you know, Wiggins and Towns still have to learn how to play defense. Now, is Jimmy Butler going to be the one that goads them into playing better defense? Uh, you know, basically being Thibodeau's uh, aide to camp, if you will, on the floor. I mean, that, to me, that's the biggest question of all. Uh, you know, I, scoring is not going to be a problem. I think they'll, they'll be able to score plenty. Are they going to guard anybody? Are they going to be willing to guard anybody? You know, that's always been the hallmark of Tibbs' teams, uh, whether he was assisting Doc in Boston, you know, uh, Jeff Van Gundy in New York, uh, or, you know, what, what he did as a head coach in Chicago. And that, that's the biggest question for them going forward. But it, it is uh, right that you say, the, the, and what I think I said at the start here, you know, the parts are clearly there. I mean, they've got really good talent on their team. Uh, you know, just how willing are they to sacrifice for each other in order to make their team better? And there's two things that jump out to me there. One is that last year, they were 26 in the league defensively. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has not shown, he has closeouts that make James Harden jealous. Uh, they are, they were 23rd in the league in pace of play. So, there's two things that have me concerned. One is if they're going to play a slow pace, they have very little spacing on the offensive end. And two, I understand how great Thibodeau is defensively, but jumping from 26th to 15th is like, that's a monumental jump. There are not a lot of teams that make jumps like that. No, but I I think, you know, Butler's a pretty elite defender. I mean, he's an elite wing defender and they haven't, they have not had that player. All right, so automatically they they sit, they become a better defensive team simply because he's on the floor. Now, you know, it, it, can Jeff Teague be a reasonable facsimile of Rubio defensively? I, I think Rubio's really underrated defensively, and I you know with him going to Utah and the way Utah guards already, I, I just think it makes them uh, you know even more of a defensive monster. But uh, you know he that's uh, he he can't be bad on that end of the floor. He, you know he's got to be acceptable on that end of the floor. And as I said, this this may be a situation where uh, it's it's the players that actually have to get it done. If, if Butler does what he does, what he generally does, then that you, you would think that guys like Towns and Wiggins would take a page from that, and they would actually get serious about doing it. And if they don't, then Minnesota's got a much bigger issue. Then, then they probably even realize, and obviously with you know Wiggins's extension available to be signed, uh, they, they've got to think long and hard about that. Westgate set the line for Minnesota at forty-eight point five wins. Chuck Cooperstein, over or under? Under. I'm going with you on that. I just think there's a lot. There's a lot that has to come together. Uh, and the West is really loaded. I mean, I think that's the other aspect. Yeah, they're loaded. I, you know, now, David, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, oh, but yes. I don't think that they, you know, the, the, everybody, everybody's been talking about them as maybe challenging for a, for a, a home court advantage in the first round. I, I do not see that. Not, not on any imaginable level. I think there are four teams in the West that are different than everybody else. Okay, well, there's one, the Warriors, right? But I view right. Oklahoma City 
I hear everybody talking about Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, in this like collection of teams. I don't see it that way. I think Oklahoma City is considerably better than those other teams. Uh, if Paul George and Westbrook get along famously with each other, I will agree with you there. I think we just need to see how that plays out. Defensively, I think they're top five in the NBA. I mean, Westbrook, Paul. Andre well, Westbrook Robinson. can't guard. Westbrook sure. can't guard anybody. Sure. All right, he can't. He cannot guard anybody, and he doesn't want to guard anybody because that's and 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 never has. So let's not put him there. All right. I mean, he's you know he does what he does offensively. He grabs rebounds basically because everybody runs away and gets a lot of rebounds off of missed free throws and whatnot. But uh, but Paul George is an elite defender. All right. He he is absolutely an elite defender and an elite player. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, you know, Robertson clearly is an elite defender. Uh, but he you know he's just an absolute liability on the offensive end. Um, but I but I, I think Paul George makes them. You know, significantly better as long as you know, Westbrook kind of dials it back a little bit. Because if, if he doesn't and George doesn't get his touches and George doesn't you know, get the chance to take shots at the end of games, which he wants to do, even though he doesn't make apparently very many of them in clutch situations, then you, know, you wonder how the chemistry will ultimately work there. But it should work there, okay, because they both have something to prove. I they love- really both have something to prove. Well, right. they got to prove that they can play together for the next five years in Los Angeles. Perhaps. Um, I like Patrick Patterson as well, by the way. Yes, a great pickup. I mean, for no money. I mean, how how they were able to do that was really impressive because he he that's another team, Oklahoma City. You know, people don't realize they were not uh, a very good. They, they were the worst three point shooting team in the league last year, and they didn't take very money many either. Uh, but but Patterson absolutely gives them a stretch four. Uh, you know, he's not a big minutes guy per se, but uh, he. When he comes in, he's a difference maker. Uh, I, I really love that pickup, and especially, you know, given you know money that's thrown around at times in the NBA, how Oklahoma City was able to get him at that number. Fifty-one point five is the number on Oklahoma City. Where are you going? I'll take him. Uh, I'll take the over on them. I'm I'll take, take the over on them. I, I think that I think that's going to work out. Gonna, I do think that's going to work out. I'm going to take the over as well, Chuck. And, and the one thing I the, I didn't kind of explain why I'm so high on them. Is their upgrades are all at spots of tremendous weakness, right? So when Russell Westbrook was off the floor last year, they were terrible. Well, they should be able to keep Paul George on the floor in those minutes and be better. Victor Oladipo was not particularly good last year. Paul George replaces him. Sabonis was poor last year. Patrick Patterson replaces him. You mentioned the three-point shooting. Like, they, in all the areas they improved, they were really much, really, really weak. So I I think that number gets... uh, That's why I like the over as well on on Oklahoma City uh, at 51.5. Denver is another team that people often talk about in regards to the the most improved... uh, I am on my island where I still think Gallinari is really good, so I think they lost a little bit along the way. Uh, they do add Millsap. Jokic is the real deal. Are you as uh, hot on this Denver bandwagon as everybody else is? I am. I, I Jokic absolutely is the real deal. Uh, and, and Millsap, I think, will give them uh, far better defense than Gallinari ever dreamed of playing because he was just not interested in doing it. And, and Millsap is, is an absolute horse. He's always there. 
where in Gallinari's case, you knew he was missing 15 to 20 games a year with something. Um, you know, and, and Gallinari, for all of the, you know, the talk of him being a great shooter and, and whatnot, I mean, the guy, he's, he's never shot above 45%. You know, he's, he's just not a, he's not a really good shooter, and he's a, and he's a, and he's a volume shooter. He does get to the line, uh, although he didn't get to the line quite as much last year as he, as he has in the past. But I love Gary Harris. Um, I, you know, I, I really, uh, I, I just, I love what Tim Connolly has done there in, in getting uh, athletic, uh, the whole notion of athletic wings and uh, as many of them as possible. I think Jamal, Jamal Murray, I don't know if he's a point guard. I'm not sure that he is. I do, I do know he's a player. Let me jump in there. Jamal Murray. Can you be that good without a point guard? I mean, who's the um, point guard on this team? I, I, well, I see. I I don't. Know, I mean, I look at uh, I, I look at a team like Golden State. I mean, I I don't look at Curry as a pure point guard. I mean, I think he's he's a great player, but I mean, look how much he run, how, how much he runs off the screens. If you have guys who can handle the ball, uh, it really doesn't matter as long as those guys are able to pass. And I think I think Golden State is the best example of that of all. So you know, I, I mean, I'm not. Terribly enamored of the people that uh, you know that they might have slotted into the so-called point position, but I, I do think that you know Michael Malone uh, has sort of been able to reinvent their their team and get them back to the George Carl, uh, Doug Moe way of playing, where they they really get up and down the floor, they score a bunch of points, especially at home. They're going to be really difficult to beat there. Uh, I, I think they are an emerging team, and and Jokic and his ability. Uh, to play, you know, at the elbow and, and also to play down the block just gives them incredible offensive versatility. Their two best passers are Millsap and Jokic. Maybe their best ball handlers too. <laughs> I mean, they're going to really invert nothing, that offense. N- 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 you listen, hey, more than more than one way to skin a cat, right? Yeah. So they're 29th in the league defensively last year. Can they be better yep. than that? I, I think they can be better than that. I mean, I I don't think that they're just going, you know, all out, you know, Houston or, you know, Houston or seven seconds or less Phoenix and completely forgetting about it. But I, I mean, I think they can advance, um, you know, into the, into the, tw- uh, you know, the low twenties uh, or around 20. And, you know, they're going to have an elite offense that's going to allow them to win a lot of games. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, look, they're, they're not going to be Golden State, and they're not going to be San Antonio, and they're not going to be the Jazz. But uh, but I think they can be acceptable enough that it's that it's going to get them into the playoffs. And quite frankly, they, they look, this is, they need to get back in the playoffs. Here's the thing that has my head swimming just kind of on as we evaluate the game and you try to figure things out. So I, I agree with you. Denver's offense is going to be great. So let's just assume that Denver's offense is going to be top five. And let's assume that their defense is going to be – Somewhere between, let's call it 22-ish, right? Like, that's a big jump for them. That's seven right. spots. I look, at mm-hmm. the, I look at the Utah Jazz, and I think their offense could be about 22nd, and I'm pretty certain they're going to be top three or top five defensively. So these two teams are just the mirror image of each other. Very much so, and obviously they, they believe that because they traded with each other on draft night, right? right. But it's, it's interesting. So... Denver's in at 45.5 with a good offense and a bad defense, and Utah's in at 40.5 with a bad offense and a good defense. 
Is offense really that much more valuable? You know, you and I grew up in an era where defense really did matter more. Uh, I, I, the way the game is played right now with the emphasis on shooting, um, it, it does tilt to the offense. Uh, now, I don't, they have Denver at 45. I don't think Denver's going to win 45. Okay, I, th- I, don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go under on that. But uh, th- there's no doubt that, uh, you know, I, I look at a team, you know, like the team that I cover uh, and follow, you know, that they've always been, uh, you know, they, they were a, a respectable defensive team, you know, even, you know, by per 100, as opposed to, you know, just the, the, the overall numbers last year. But their offense was so bad. For, for so much of the year that he wound up being a 33-win team because they couldn't shoot. And it, it, shooting is the, the most desired commodity in the NBA today. I mean, that, that's why, I, I, you know, Dale Ellis, God bless him. If Dale Ellis could still, like, get halfway up and down the floor today, some NBA mm-hmm. team would sign him. Okay, because he, he has that one definable skill that everybody wants. Since you're a podcast listener, I thought I'd take a step away from Chuck for a minute and mention to you the great podcast that ESPN is putting out, 30 for 30. I personally loved the Mike and the Mad Dog show because it has to do with sports radio and all of that and all the building of of how incredible that show has been. Uh, They also put out an entire series of stories uh, that were just mind-blowingly great. One on Phil Ivey about poker, Queen of Sorts, uh, was released in the middle of July. If you go back and grab that uh, and the scheme that won him over $20 and then landed him in court, um, there's a uh, fun one. It was done in July about the char- the chant, the Yankees suck. My best friend as a kid was a Red Sox fan, and he would probably uh, agree with that. A fun one back about the 92 Olympics about Dan and Dave O'Brien. They, they've done the 30 for 30 series is great. Right now, Jody is interviewing uh, the producers of shows, and the latest one was What Carter Lost, which takes you back to a little bit of Friday Night Lights and a different angle on all of that. I just wanted to mention it to you. I know you're a podcast listener. I'd strongly suggest them. They're really, really good, and I thought you'd enjoy them. So I uh, wanted to mention that to you and have you grab uh, a hold of those when you're done listening to Locked On NBA or any of our other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. So Utah. You have Gobert in the middle. You're probably starting Gobert in favors. Defensive rating with the two of them last year was a 96.5. And you have seemingly nothing on paper that gives you any idea how you're scoring late in games. How? Well, first off, tell me, tell, tell me, is favors healthy? Is favors going to play more than, than 60 games and not limping around? He is healthier today than he was at any point of all of last season. That I can say factually. Well, that's but I don't well, have any. Some, some, I don't have any idea if he's going to play. You know how how long that lasts. Right. Well, you know, again, I guess part of the issue is like what you talked about earlier is you know who, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands, you know, can can you break somebody down and and get your and and get your shot you know, when you when you need your shot uh, in a in a half court situation. And, and that probably is Utah's biggest question right now, because I think given the, the, the players that they, the only, the, the player who does that better than anybody is Joe Johnson still. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I just want to believe that a guy like Rubio with the ball in his hands, he's always going to make the right play and he's going to get it to an open shooter. 
and whether that's Joe Johnson or whether that's you know Alec Burks or whether that's Rodney Hood, who by the way needs to stay healthy too. Um, I think that's uh, I, I think they they will find a way. I think Quinn is creative enough that uh, that they can overcome that issue. Um, I'm going to go over in Utah. I'm 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 a much bigger fan because I do like the defense uh, and I do think I, I can't believe that you know losing Gordon Hayward is all of a sudden going to make Utah 11 wins worse. So I'm 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 over on them. I'm over on Utah and under on Denver. I'm I'm with you on both those. I, I'm really curious on Utah. The two things I'm just. And I mean, I'm curious because they're the team I cover, but I also, and work for, but I also am just curious because they have two things that I think are interesting. One is what's the value of defense? I don't think we know that. And what's the value of depth, right? They have 12, they have about 12, 14 guys that can give you 15 solid minutes a night across the board, probably above yep. average, Cephalosha, Jarebko. Um, I don't know what Alec Burks is. You know, Alec Burks is like the 11th or 12th guy in this team. And obviously he's got to come back. Epe Udo actually may be a good, 12 minutes tonight. I'm not sure that, that, like, I'm not sure that Jarebko doesn't play some backup five just to go small at times. I, I like the, I think you and I are both going to cover the surprise rookies. So go ahead. What were you going to say? See, I, I love the length. I love the length that Utah has. You know, the same way I love the length that Milwaukee has in the East and why I think ultimately they are going to be a, a real factor over there. That, that's the thing that I think will carry the day. I think length is, is greatly undervalued. You know, scoring is, is certainly valued and maybe even to an extent overvalued. But if you can guard and look at Golden State, yes, Golden State scores like nobody's business. But why, but why does Golden State blow everybody out? Because they're so long defensively and that they're able to switch everything that you just can't get good shots against them. And I look at Utah's roster and I see all the length on this team, you know, including you know, a six-four-and-a-half point guard. Uh, it tells me, I mean, where, where are easy shots going to come from against uh, when you're playing Utah? I, I just don't see that. A moment ago, I said, I think there's four teams better than everybody else in the Warriors, the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Thunder. And I just throw the Spurs in there because they're the Spurs, right? Because it, like, how many times can I be dumb enough to think otherwise? <laughs> um, and so I just, and then I, and, and, and Kawhi Leonard's just that good. 54.5. Is there any chance that that doesn't happen this year? Yes, very much so. Look, uh, Tony Parker's not playing until January. Uh, Ginobili is uh, you know, a, a shell of his former self, although I, I, I do think there is value in bringing him back. But tell me, okay, you, know, you ask about point guards. Who's their point guard? DeJounte Murray had who, who? a brutal summer league. Deontay Murray was bad. I mean, Patty Mills is not a starting point guard in the NBA. Okay, he's a, he's terrific coming off the bench. Any team would want him coming off the bench, and you know they they just gave him a a boatload of cash uh, in order to. I, I was shocked, quite frankly, that they did that. Uh, you know, you, you draft Derek White, you got Murray, uh, but you know, tell me tell me who that player other other than Leonard. Tell, tell me who you can really count on to score points for them. I mean, can you really count on Lamarcus Aldridge right now? I still, I mean, it I seems still like count on Lamarcus. For, for whatever, for whatever, for, for whatever has happened. I mean, it's obviously a very different system from what he had in Portland. 
But he is not comfortable, and he certainly wasn't comfortable being the man when Leonard got hurt in the Western Conference Finals. Well, and he certainly wasn't, and he certainly, you know, he just may be one of these guys who's not particularly happy, right? I mean, I, like, he right. he wasn't happy. He didn't seem to be happy last year, at least all the reports. He wasn't happy in Portland. I still think he, I mean, he's still dropping 17 a game. What I think's interesting, back to your point guard point, is it's not only the point guard. It's Danny Green doesn't have a great handle, Right. Like, nope. LaMarcus Aldridge is not a natural passer. Pau Gasol is, but he's not a great... Like, part of the Spursian system and also just kind of where this league is is multiple ball handlers, multiple passers. You kind of... Why is Denver's offense going to be so great? Because Millsap, Jokic, they can co- cover up for what we were just talking about with their lack of point guard. I don't know that they have that unless they're going to really run almost as they have in the last few years, just much more post-up stuff. They've run the most post-up stuff of anyone in the league. And is it really going to be Gasol and Aldridge in the post conducting out to Leonard and, and shoot and green as a shoot? It's a, it's interesting to see what pop does to make this collection work. Well, to me, what always made San Antonio the most difficult team to play against was the fact that you had to guard them for 24 seconds because they were always willing to play it down to five or six seconds and figured that you would not play defense that long and they would wind up getting an easy one. And the other thing was that the Parker Duncan uh, low side pick and roll was absolutely devastating. And neither Gasol nor, uh, you know, you know, any, anybody else that that's going to, or Aldridge or, you know, who's ever played in that, in that four or five, position run that pick and roll with with the point guard and with Parker that's just just not going to happen it's just not going to be as effective so that's under, a, I'm under on San Antonio I'm, 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 I'm not uh, you know I, I mean that their summer has was just not very good by by any stretch I'm over only because I just if I'm going to lose money I'm losing money on that side right like if I was going <laughs> to like I just can't lose money again any other any other way uh so if you're under Who's your second best team in the Western Conference? Houston. You're buying because you, you I have do, any concern on Chris I, Paul, I do, James I Harden? Do. Sorry? do you have any concern on the Chris Paul, James Harden mix? Uh, a little, but I think that they will figure that out. And and here's the deal: I think that for a lot of the game, you you probably won't see them together. Uh, you know, I think they'll start the game and they'll probably finish the game. But in the middle of the game, I think that you're going to have uh, long stretches where, you know, one or the other is the primary ball handler on the floor. And for that team, with, with, with those guys' handles, that works. Um, you know, a- anything that takes of uh, James Harden to have to be the primary ball handler, I mean, could D'Antoni put everything on him last year? And for the most part, he delivered Ultimately, at San Antonio, he caved. And so he, he needs some help. And listen, I, I still think that you, you tell me, you give me any point guard in the NBA, I want Chris Paul running my point. Chris, Chris Paul, to me, is what a point guard uh, is and, and always should be. You know, a guy who can score if he needs to score, but not necessarily a guy who always has to look to score because people want to play with him because he is going to get them the ball in places where they can score. And so I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that, that this is going to work for them. Um, you know, I think Golden State is, is far better than everybody else. I don't know what Houston's over and under is, but uh, give, it, give it to me. What is their over and under? 55.5. 
Well, they won 55 last year without Chris Paul, and their team is better this year. So, uh, you know, and he, even with the guys that they brought in, uh, you know, in reserve, you know, even, you know, getting, getting guys like, uh, you know, Pete Tucker uh, come in and be, um, you know, a, a reserve player for them coming off the bench. You know, Ariza is in a contract year. It was always a good thing for him, it, uh, it seems. Um, you know, Clint Capella, I think, would be a much improved player. Even a guy like Bob Mute, you know, at the, at the veterans minimum. I, I really like their team. Uh, so yes, they are, they are over. They are over for me. I think Bob Muta plays a lot of four on that team late in games and gives them two good defenders in Bob Mute and Ariza and maybe even Tucker's playing that four. There, I, I'm with you on this. Uh, I don't think Paul and Harden play together that much. I think Eric Gordon is the biggest benefactor of having both of those guys. At times, he'll be the third option. Uh, I, I'm actually going to go under only just because I think 55.5 is a buttload of wins and it's really hard to get that many. And I just think it's just so damn hard to win 55 games that if one thing goes wrong, you don't get there. Um, and I actually think there'll be a big enough gap between two and three and four that I'm not sure that there'll be an incentivize. So I'm going under, but I agree with everything uh, that you just said. You mentioned the Warriors, 82 over or under? <laughs> I, I, I'd love to go uh, at the number, uh, but but I know that uh, even for them, that's impossible. But um, Wait, what, you like, know, when do they lose? Do they how? When and how do they lose this year? Like I mean, just mean a single simple game. Like they well, just you know, they, listen, they, you know, I mean, like they're, they're in LA. They're, for they're a not. New they're, game they're, not gonna, they're not going to shoot fifty percent every game, and they're not going to shoot forty percent from three every game. Uh, and there may be some night, you know, on the very few. Uh, second night of a back-to-back where they, where Steve Kerr decides the rest of players where uh, he, he just, they, they, they wind up losing, but they're not going to lose many. I mean, it's an, it's an unbelievable collection of talent that be, beyond the talent, uh, the, the chemistry that clearly they have. Um, and even bringing Durant into the mix, it didn't take long for, for that all to, to properly kick in. Um, you know, really the, the, uh, the adjustment was more for Curry really than it was for Durant. But once they figured that out, and it didn't take long for them to figure it out, you know, they, they were just an absolute juggernaut, and, and nothing has changed in that regard. They only seem to lose noon games in L.A. and noon games in New York. I can't imagine what the problem is. <laughs> you mean playing play 9 a.m. basketball? Yeah, like when they have to play early <laughs> basketball. I mean, because I think this team's a little bit more of the Bulls rock star at night than people realize. I mean, I think they just have it all going on. I just think that they're just... I just you know, I'm going over on sixty seven point five. I think they're going to chase the record again, not because they want to, but because they'll have no choice. Um, see, I think I'm, I'm just I'm going to go slightly under. I'm going to go under. It's sixty seven and a half. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think they're they're, they're sixty five or sixty six wins. It, it's just. It's just the nature of the NBA season that that stuff happens, and they'll they'll lose a game or two that they have you know no business losing, but that's not a reflection on the the quality of their team, which uh, you know is every bit the team that it's been for the last four years, which is the best team in the NBA. The other really interesting, or there's a few. I mean, the West is incredible. We haven't talked about yet, and it's kind of gone off the radar, and. I it's I think because it happened in the middle of last season instead of um and so it's it's if we had put DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis together 
during the off season. I think we might have led the show with it. It's like old <laughs> news, but we really never found out what it was. I mean, it's a, this is a really incredible idea still that I'm not sure we got an answer for what it is. What is your thought on the on on the idea of Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins playing together? Well, I saw it uh, early in the year, uh, right, right after the trade, and it, it, it did not go very well. Um, you know, about a month later, uh, it, uh, it 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 def- it was definitely terrific on the offensive end. But again, how who's guarding anybody in New Orleans? You know, now uh, having signed Tony Allen. I mean, that, that probably helps in some regard, but, you know, how many minutes is Tony Allen going to play? How many is well, he capable of playing? Tony Allen just became their best bench player. Their bench is Jordan Crawford, Ian Clark, Darius Miller, Chick Diallo, and Alexis Aginsa. Solomon Hill and Frank yes. Jackson are hurt, and Omir Ashik is actually, his body is still here. His soul was long destroyed. Um, I mean, Tony yes. Allen is their best player off the bench. They signed him yesterday. Uh, I, I will say that uh, I am intrigued by Ian Clark. I, I, I really do. I do like him a lot. But it, it, it seems like New Orleans has like a lot of the same. You know, they load up on a lot of the same, and they don't necessarily you know check off all the boxes for for what they need. Uh, but it, it, you know, listen. Frankly, this is going to be on Rajon Rondo to try to keep those two happy. Uh, and uh, you know, I say that, and I'm half laughing, but uh, it's it's really true. I mean, you know, can, can Rondo get both of those guys enough touches when they where they need it uh, in order to do what they feel that they what they should be able to do offensively? But you know, on the other end of the floor, I mean, look, you know, Rondo hadn't guarded anybody in a long time. You know, the Mavericks uh, unfortunately found that out, and it cost them quite a bit to find that out. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, but, you know, you look at the rest of that team, and as they're set up right now, David, they're not guarding anybody. And, I mean, they're going to have to be Golden State-like offensively in order to win a bunch of games. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I, I think firing Monty Williams was among the dumbest things that a franchise has done uh, in, in some time because he did have it going in the right direction. Uh, they were playing hard. They were. They did make the playoffs. They had something to look forward to, and they they dumped them. And I'll, I'll never understand that. And uh, Alvin Gentry, I think, is one of our of everyone's favorite people in the NBA. But I do believe that uh, he has had enough chances to show that he's a really good assistant, but he's not a very good head coach. The Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins combo, okay. Some of the numbers to me were really interesting. So when Anthony Davis is on the court and DeMarcus Cousins is off the court, Anthony Davis, so Cousins is off, Anthony Davis shoots 55% and 36% from three. And when Cousins was on the court, he shot 10 percentage points less and 16 percentage points less from three. Drew Holiday, well, when both of them were on the floor, was much less good. Huh. Like I don't think it worked. Like it, I don't actually. I'm not convinced this thing works at all. I, I you know, and I, and I'm a Holiday guy too. I mean, I, I really like Holiday a bunch, but you know, ultimately now, I mean, they've they've moved him off the ball. I mean, to where he's going to have to be, 
you know, a, a much better shooter because, you know, Rondo's going to have the ball in his hands. So, you know, again, you know, does, does Rondo, you know, how does Rondo fit into all of this is, is my question. And I, I don't have a very good answer for you right now. And I don't think anybody really knows right now. The, uh, and I, you know, I think you're being, I think you're being generous. He hasn't fit well for anybody in three years. <laughs> right? I mean, you're being generous. Well, you know what? I do, I do think, though, you know, now when he and Boogie played together in Sacramento a few years ago, uh, they were pretty good together. They really, you know, Rondo had a really good year out there. And, and Boogie was, you know, Boogie was an all-star caliber player. They, they had a lot of other issues going on in Sacramento. But um, so on that end, I, those two have shown they can play together. Now, how does, how does it work when you add somebody of Anthony Davis? You know, it's, frankly, you know, somebody of Holiday's uh, ilk who's capable of averaging 18 to 20 points a game. All right, 39.5, I'm going under. I'm going under two. I just, I just don't, don't see how it all, how it all works out. The uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Gosh, it's going to be weird to see them and not have them be the Los Angeles Clippers. We, I wonder if they'll, I wonder if they'll still be like just so annoying that you snap at some point in every game as a broadcaster about how much they whine about the officials or whether that'll be different. So this is now a team of Patrick Beverly, Austin Rivers, Danilo Gallinari with a broken hand, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Danilo Gallinari needs to watch Bull Durham. You never hit someone with that hand. Um, right. Their bench is uh, Teo Dosic, who we don't know yet, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, who might be okay, Monstrell Harrell, solid, and Willie Reed. What's your thought on this? And by the way, I like their little rookie at Oklahoma State, uh, Jawan Evans. I think he's going to be a player. But... Um, I tell you, I, I, I actually like I actually like Thornwell more, but I, I don't know okay. where he fits uh, into the mix. But um, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. What this team is going to look like, how they're going to play. You know, what, you know, are is uh, clearly you no. Know, you you can't you can't do things with uh, with uh, Pat Beverly, uh, Lou Williams, and uh, and Milos Teodosic uh, that you could with Chris Paul. I mean, I, I just don't know. You know, Doc's going to have to totally revamp this offense. I mean, who knows? You know, if Gallinari's healthy, you know, Gallinari probably plays a lot of point forward. Maybe he's the guy that winds up initiating a whole bunch of stuff. Because you don't have – you really don't have a true – I mean, T. Dosich did in Europe. And, you know, he, I have a feeling, you know, given the money that they paid him, that uh, they're thinking that, you know, he, and he's got to be – he's 30 years old. It's not like this is a 22, 20, uh, 22-year-old Euro – you know, was not played at a really high level and not played under pressure. I mean, he, he's done that. I got a feeling, David, they're, they're expecting more of him than maybe a lot of us are, are thinking right now. Because I think he, he's got the creativity on offense as a ball handler um, that uh, you know, can make some of that work. But he is a sieve defensively, and that is being kind. Three, you know, you know, three years I, I, I just I just don't know about them. I just – you know, we, we, you know, uh, the, we, the Mavericks, uh, we, we see them right after, uh, we play you at the end of October. Uh, so, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get an early look then, but I, I don't know. It's going to have to be just, Blake's going to have to be like 2012 Blake. You know, he can't be 2015, 2016 Blake. I think he's going to have to be like that 
if the Clippers, you know, have any designs on on having a, a really good year. That's what I was about to interrupt you with. Is, is Blake Griffin? I think it was three years ago, February. He, uh, Chris Paul's hurt. They turn the entire team over to him. He averages something insane, like 31 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. He's bringing it up every time. I remember going on a run with one of our coaches who had their scout, and he's like, man, when he gets a rebound and goes, there's just like nothing you can do. Uh, do you think he still has that in him? I think, uh, I think there is there is something there. I mean, I, I still think he's got the hops, and he's you know his mid-range game has, has definitely gotten better. I mean, he's, you know, he's never going to be a, a, a super three-point threat. It's not like you're going to totally rely on him to, to shoot threes and shoot a high percentage of threes. But, uh, you know, he, it is a unique skill set that he has. Um, but I do think that when they play, when they play in the half court and he, and he catches it with his back to the bat, I, I think he is guardable. Um, you know, I think the, the issue for, for the Clippers you know, because they, they also have been a below average pace team, you know, the last, because basically that's, you know, that's how Chris Paul plays. Uh, you know, do, do they ramp up the pace this year? Uh, and if they do, I think that probably plays in the Griffin's hands a little bit more. But again, you know, how does that affect them on the defense? And will they be able to stop anybody? 43.5. I'm going under just because if they have any injuries, they're done. And I'll agree with that. Yes, I'll agree with that. Uh, and and you just can't count on Griffin playing eighty games. I mean, it's that he he's going to have to play eighty games, and he's going to have to play at uh, you know at an all NBA level, you know, top three team, you know, top fifteen player in the league, uh, in order to do that. We've neglected some teams. Let's run through them. Your Dallas Mavericks. Dennis Smith is the story. I'm going to talk Donovan Mitchell. You're going to talk Dennis Smith. Who cares about Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, and all these other guys? Markel Fultz. Um, Denver, Dallas is an interesting spot, obviously. Uh, How good is the feeling on what Dennis Smith is at this point? I mean, they cannot wait to get him on the practice court in two weeks. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously they're playing pickup right now, and they've been doing. They've had everybody in, you know, pretty much since uh, well from last week. They were all here. They've all been playing, and uh, you know, the, the sky is truly the limit for him. And we, we are not uh, overstating the case with him. I mean, you know, people forget that. You know, as a senior in high school, uh, you know, he was one of the top two recruits in the whole country, you know, he and Harry Giles, you know, both of whom, you know, wound up with knee injuries and, uh, you know, probably got knocked down pegs or two. And obviously, you know, Dennis did not play with a really good team last year. And uh, I think I dinged for that a little bit. And I think he's wearing that uh, on his shoulder at each point. And I think it, I, I can't wait for the, for the games that he plays against those teams that have, you know, the, the players, you know, whether it's Lonzo or it's uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, you know, it's uh, it's ben, it's uh, Fultz, uh, the, all those guys that got drafted in front of him. The, the point that he wants to prove, and at the same time that uh, that Rick Carlisle is going to you know hold the reins real tight and say, "Whoa, boy, you know, don't don't worry about taking out that guy. Worry about us winning the game." And I think that's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch that play out. And I think Dennis Dennis has shown so far, you know, just from the little that we've seen. You know, a willingness to be coached, uh, a willingness to, to try to make the right play, 
Uh, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, the last play uh, late in the summer league game against uh, against the Lakers when they lost, like he, he tried to do a little bit too much. He, there was a little bit of, uh, of Westbrook at that point. Uh, that, uh, you know, he, he's probably, it's a, probably a little bit rich for him to do that right now. But um, David, the Mavericks have been in existence since the fall of 1980. <laughs> they have never had a player that has this combination of athletic skills that Dennis Smith has. So it's, 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 you look at him and he's 19. You look at Noel and he's 23 and Harrison Barnes is 25 and Seth Curry's 26. Uh, you know, they, they really have revamped their team and their core on the fly, uh, to where, uh, th- there is, there is real excitement about their team. Not that there's a whole lot of, you know, playoff talk or anything like that, but there is talk that, uh, that they will be a far more watchable team. Uh, and that they will that they'll win a few more games. Uh, and if things go right for them and they can stay relatively healthy, which they didn't early last year, uh, and that really buried them in combination with the schedule that they played, uh, that who knows? You know, you get it to March and maybe you know they're they're fighting for something, which would really be cool because I don't think people were necessarily expecting that at the end of last year. I don't think that's it's outlandish. If Smith has a this is a big ask, but if Smith has a Damian Lillard esque rookie year, then he's not surrounded. It's similar to kind of that Portland. He's not surrounded by scrubs, right? I mean, Wesley Matthews is a viable, solid NBA player. Harrison Barnes is really, really good. Nerlens Noel is really, really good. Dirk's, you know, Dirk. He's not the same Dirk he once was, but and, and I, I mean, I guess I wish there was just a little bit more on the bench so that. Uh, Rick could play around with all of his little lineups and have his 17 point guards running around at one time and, and do some of those things. But, um, but I, I like the environment that Smith is entering into with the sense that he's not, you know, the young guys you reference there. I mean, Harrison Barnes, not young. Like he, he might be 25, but he's not young. He's been, he's won a title. No, he's, right? he's, he's, he's an experienced NBA player. So I like, and, and, and who, who obviously took a step up. Last year, and, and you know, and I, there's certainly room for improvement in his game, uh, but it, there's, it's not so outlandish to suggest that you know what, make one more three pointer a game, you know, shoot four more free throws a game, you know, make you know three or four more free throws a game, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going from 19 points a game to 24 points a game. And hey, the, the the point differential in the NBA is such that if he's if he's doing that, well, that then I think figures in the Mavericks winning a few more games than they did last year. I'm going over, and I think it's actually one of the better bets on the board. Where, where are they? Thirty three point five. Absolutely over. And, and, you know, they 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 won thirty three last year with their team being dinged in the first you know twenty games, twenty five games of the year shutting it down you know for the last six or seven games of the year so um i, I absolutely will go over on that here's the interesting ones to me i i may turn out to be dead wrong on these two denver's at 45.5 and utah's at 40.5 five five diff, five win difference between those two i'm not convinced that i think I, I i think utah's less variance than denver i'm not convinced i don't think utah wins more than denver pelicans are at 39.5 dallas is at 33.5 six win difference there i'm not sure i don't believe that dallas wins more than new orleans well, I, I, I don't, would anybody be shocked actually if Dallas won the thirty nine and New Orleans right. won the thirty three? Right, right. Well, that, right. That's <laughs> that's exactly where I am. Um, yep. Lonzo Ball, franchise changer. 
rookie that struggles? Is he this special a kid? I mean, I have a hard time buying into stuff like that until I watch him. Every time I see him, it makes me wonder a little bit more if maybe this kid's really that special. I love the kid. I absolutely love the kid. There, there are definitely some issues, not the least of which is you know that every team is going to make him go right, and can he shoot going to his right? But as uh, you know, as a, a guy who is kind of like what we talked about with Chris Paul earlier, uh, you know, he he wants to pass the ball. He and and people love playing with point guards who pass the ball to them so they can score. Uh, he, there is a definite it factor with him. And, and look, you know, there are people who are going to want him to fail simply because of who his father is. I mean, anybody who has looked at him and seen how he's played and uh, how he interacts with his teammates, uh, you know, he, he's about trying to be the best player he can be. And, you know, his dad will handle all the other stuff. And so I, I do think that I don't know. Well, let's put it this way. I don't think Showtime is quite ready to return uh, to the Staples Center, but I do think that they've got a really good piece in place. Uh, his willingness to pass, uh, the length that he plays with, uh, I, th- I think he'll be willing, uh, willing to guard Luke Walton. will get him to, to try to, to do that more than maybe he did last year at times at UCLA. Uh, I, I, I just love the kid. I just, you know, there, there are some people that you know you look at them and, you know, their, their teams are just better because they're there, and he's one of those guys. I mean, UCLA just changed incredibly because of him. Like, that, that's – it just changed. I, I am worried about the shot when the game speeds up. That's the only thing I'm really worried about. When the game speeds up, that, well, that you know, motion, it all gets yeah, faster. It, and then when the legs get tired as the year goes on, just because he plays – you know, it's just a brutal stretch. Uh, those are the yeah. only concerns I have. Well, I, I, will, I will say this, though. You know, Jason Kidd had a lot of those concerns. I know with Jason Kidd was a much thicker player. I mean, Jason Kidd was a solid 215 pounds when he came into the NBA. But, uh, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that Lonzo Ball's on his way to the Hall of Fame, like Jason Kidd is on his way to the Hall of Fame. But there are so many of those intangibles. You know, listen, Kidd was a co-rookie of the year with Grant Hill the year he came in. And, uh, you know, he made it incredibly exciting playing along young athletic guys like Jamal Mashburn and, uh, and Jimmy Jackson. Uh, you know, I think Lonzo's going to do the same thing. Not like the Lakers don't have athleticism now. I mean, they, they've and and it's not like it's just ball in that rookie class. I mean, Kyle Kuzma showed extraordinarily well uh, in the summer league. And Dave, I know you, you you've seen him play quite a bit at Utah uh, when he played at Utah. He, he's he, he's a talent, and uh, you know the the, uh, the 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 kid from Villanova is 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 a winner. Uh, Josh Hart, I mean, he's absolutely a winner. I, lo- I love Zubats. I think Zubats has an absolute future as a, as a post player uh, in the league. I, I think they've got a really nice mix of young players on that team that are, that are going to be really fun to watch. And with all that said, I'm still going under 33.5, more of a statement of the West than I am about the Lakers. Absolutely. And, and, and that, that's true of so many teams. I, you know, I, I look at the Mavericks. You know, as a team, as we say that, you know, they, they should be better this year than they were last year. But you, you look at the, the strength, um, and it's, it's, you, it's impossible to see them making the, the jump up that they should given their talent improvement. But, uh, you know, just the 52 games that you're playing in the Western Conference are, are like playoff games every night. 
All right, we got four more teams. We've forgotten about one team that's fair. We haven't forgotten about. We just didn't get to them. But let's just roll through these quickly because I I don't find them very. I don't think there's a lot of storylines to them. Uh, Sacramento's at twenty eight point five. I I'm not sure I understand what they did this off season. I I like George Hill. I like Zach Randolph. I kind of get the Vince Carter, the Bogdanovich Bogdanovic thing. My only thought on it. That is, uh, if they trade all of them at the trade deadline and get assets for them, then I think it's really smart. I don't quite get the, I don't feel like they're at the point yet where you need veterans surrounding your young kids. I kind of feel like you the other way around right now, but, um, 28.5 well, on, on Sacramento. Uh, I'll say over. I mean, I'll, I'll go over. Not, maybe not much over, but I, I will go over. I, I like their, they, they got, I love their bigs. I mean, I mean, they got, they got eight zillion bigs on their team. And since I'm a, I'm a fan of the big man, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from that. Uh, and, and the kid that I'm really curious about to see if he takes the next step forward this year is Papianis. Cause there were, there were times last year when it looked like, Oh my God, he looked like a, a kind of a thicker version of Jokic. And I, I, I want to see if there is, is something a little more there. I think Willie Collestein's an, an outstanding defender I think I love them rolling the dice on Harry Giles at twenty. Um, I, I frankly, I, I love the you know them getting Justin Jackson. I mean, I think that's uh, uh, I think that was a, a tremendous a tremendous move for them. So, uh, and I, and I think Dave Yeager can coach. I, I really do think he can coach. But you know, how do you how do you mix all of that? And and I and I love Buddy. And I, and I think my Buddy Heel was you know, he was terrific. You know, after the trade. Uh, but you know, how do you mix all those disparate parts together? Because the vets want to play, and and you and you do need the young guys to be able to uh, to play and develop. The interesting one, by the way, is I like Scal and Willie Cauley Stein. So that tells you how much talent they have floating around there. I think Scal played harder last year at Sacramento than he ever did at Kentucky and showed flashes. And I think Willie Cauley Stein could be Rudy Gobert if he clicks in. So I'm kind of there. Uh, yep. Memphis. Um, just kind of forgotten once again, just kind of dropped off to the side, never talked about. We just did it to the – I just did it. I'll take the blame. You don't have to take it. I've led the show. Um, they're sitting around at 37.5. They still have Marcus Gasol, who's great. They still have Mike Conley, that's great. Chandler Parsons has been a shadow of himself, and yet we're just going to dismiss them at 37.5. Is that the right thing to do, or is there something more to, to this team? You tell me what else is left on this team. There's, there's, there's not a lot there. I mean, here's, you know, last year the Mavericks played the, the Grizzlies late in the year twice in Memphis. Uh, there was one game, the one game in March, uh, Mavericks had a chance to win it late. Uh, they didn't. And we, we had a feeling coming out of that game said, you know what? If we get to the end of the season and, and Memphis has nothing to play for, you're not going to make the playoffs. But the Mavericks will win on that final night of the season because the Memphis bench, was just awful. How has Memphis reinforced their bench? I mean, Colleen Gasol are great. Colleen Gasol are, are, are all-star level players. Uh, Parsons is not that player anymore, and he's, he's just not going to be because of his injury. You know, Jermichael Green, I'm going to assume, is going to ultimately sign the qualifying offer and come back, and he'll help. And, and he'll help. But you know what? They're going to miss Randolph, and they're going to miss Tony Allen. I mean, they've, they've got to sort of reestablish a culture. Uh, I, I do not like their team right now. Under on 37.5 with that much talent with those two guys? And if they get hurt? 
Well, then they're under. And they both have been, and they and they both have been hurt. Yeah, then they're under thirty-seven point five. Uh, Phoenix Suns are at twenty-eight point five, and that will be under because yeah. they're just so ridiculously young. And you know, you know, at some point again, uh, they'll shut Tyson Chandler down and not, not play him. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've got some intriguing wing players, and obviously, you know, Booker is a Booker's a beast. Um, I, I like Josh Jackson a lot. I think there's uh, there's some Sean Marion in Josh Jackson's game, although I don't know that Josh Jackson will ever average twenty a game like Sean Marion did because I don't think the Suns are going to play you know that kind of that, that kind of ball and let that happen. But uh, there's a lot of intang- there's a lot of really good intangibles in his game. Um, you know, TJ Warren can really score, but he can't guard. You know, Eric Bledsoe, uh, you know, at times was really good last year, and then you know he got shut down. Brandon Knight's already out for the year uh, after ripping his ACL. Uh, you know, the uh, the the Uless kid is is five five and 130 pounds, uh, but he's but he's tough as hell, and he's a really nice back guard. I mean, they've got some nice. Young players, but as you know, David, young does not get it done in this league, and it seems like Phoenix is is really intent on playing those young guys at the extent of uh, to the expense of everybody else. So I will go under on them. And I, you know, I also think the West is so tough that teams are going to come in and just hammer teams like Phoenix because they just know they can't afford to lose a game like that. I just think those teams are in for right. it. Ever. All right, I left this team for last actually, as it kind of just developed on purpose. I'm so curious about them. I think, other than the Jazz, I think this is the team to me that's the that's so interesting. It's Portland. They're at 42.5. They lost Alan Crabb, so that I think who did, that, who did not play well last year. Who did not play. Did not play the level of the contract last year for sure. He might not play the level of contract, but he's probably their third best offensive player last year. They have these two incredible guards. They were better when Nurkic. In the second half of the season with Nurkic, to me, their season last year was completely unsurprising. In other words, and what I mean by that is they had kind of made that run. They, they felt good about themselves, and then they didn't come out with that doing, you know, the defense and things that they did the year before that um, is what made them win. And that didn't surprise me. I kind of thought they were primed for that. And so to some extent, I think they're primed for a renewed focus and actually defending again and playing with this and that they may be this team that, ever, that is much better uh, than everyone thought. I mean, the second half of the season, they were the, t- and I'm not a big believer in this, but they were the 10th best defensive team in the league and the fifth best offense and the fourth best overall team post all-star break last year. Yeah. They also had a lot of home games too, you know, coming down the stretch of the season and you know, th- their schedule is always the weirdest schedule in the NBA. They have, they have the longest trips. They have the longest home stands. So it's, you always have to kind of measure their numbers against that. But uh, I'm with you. I, I'm a huge fan of McCollum. I, I think he, he's just got big ones. Uh, you know, Lillard, uh, to me, at times, just uh, he tries to do too much. And t- I think he takes too many bad shots. Uh, but I love Nurkic and, and have always loved Nurkic. And, you know, I've, I was – Kind of surprised a little bit that Nurkic and Jokic did not work out in Denver together. Uh, but boy, Nurkic made a huge difference for them. And he, he gives them a different look. I mean, to the extent that, you know, he posts and you can throw it to him. And, you know, it's not like McCollum and Lillard feel like they've got to do everything on every possession down the floor for them to score. 
because Nurkic can handle a lot of that. Uh, he can block shots. He's obviously he's, he's you know he's just absolutely a load in the middle of the lane, just as a, a protector of the lane. You know, not that he's got great lateral movement, but uh, he's not unathletic uh, in that spot. But uh, you know, for for those guys to really take the next level uh, improvement, uh, you know, a guy like Noah Vonley, it's it's about time for him to get better. For it, you know, this is the point where if he doesn't if it doesn't happen now in his fourth year. It's just not going to happen, I, I don't think. But I think he's capable of that. I still think there's a, there's a lot of ability there. You know, Harkless at times shows that he can, uh, you know, really be a versatile three. He's, he's long, he's, he can guard, and he's, you know, he's certainly improved this shooter. Huge shooter for him coming out of college. Uh, I'm, they, they don't have him from the bench either. But then again, you know, we keep talking about this, David, and there, there aren't very many teams that have great benches anymore. It just you know, you're spending so much money to try to you know get a, a really good starting five that uh, you know you, you're you're loading up on rookies and veteran minimum guys to to finish out your bench and uh, and it usually shows when they ultimately get out on the floor. Uh, but but I I like uh, I like Portland. I, I you know I'm a huge Terry Stotts fan, um, I, and I think that the, those three guys with a full season to play together, I think they're going to figure that out. And I think that Lillard and McCollum really will be the biggest beneficiaries of Nurkic being there because they won't feel like they've just got to make a play every time they go down the floor that they've got a little more help. I'm going over on Portland at 42.5. So am I. All right, so, so am I. So here, just to wrap it up, you went over on only five teams. Oklahoma City at 51.5, Utah at 40.5, Dallas at 33.5, Sacramento at 28.5, and Portland at 42.5. I agreed with you on all five of your overs. I added two other overs. I have over on the Warriors at 67.5 because I just don't think they can help it. And I have over on the Spurs at 54.5 because I just don't want to lose that – wouldn't want to lose that money again. But otherwise, you and I were somewhat in cahoots on this whole thing. So I don't know what that means, but it means that – Well, it's either either genius. It's either genius or absolute madness. And you you know what the best part about this is? This is the third time you and I have done this, and I have no idea whether we were right or wrong the first two. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? I love it. Chuck Cooperstein, radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Are we hearing you on football this year as well? Uh, No football this year, unfortunately. Just the circumstances beyond my control. Uh, So, you know, practice starts in two weeks. I'm ready. Let's go play. I, I, I'm with you. I look forward to seeing you. We will see you uh, uh, a little. How about a little lunch on the 30th of October, my friend? All about it. It's on, Excellent. It's on me and whatever restaurant would like to host us. So I don't have to pay for it. Just email me. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Thanks a lot. See you, buddy. <laughs> thanks, Dave. Appreciate it.